sir. Praise the Lord. If the Lord is really good to you, praise the Lord. Let's bow down our heads. I want us to appreciate God for a time like this. Appreciate Him for a season such as this. That you are alive and well. That you are hale and hearty. That you are able to come to the presence of the Lord. To be blessed by Him is a miracle in itself. Say, thank you, Father, for bringing me here today. Thank you, Father, that none of my family members is critically ill in the hospital to prevent me from coming to your presence. Thank you, Lord, because you have packaged special blessings for me. If there is anything that is going to stop you, Lord, from blessing me abundantly today, please, Lord, let the blood of Christ atone. That blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Let it truly atone for my sins. Because when you look from above, you don't look at our iniquities. You saw the blood and you passed us over. Thank you, our Father. And now I want you to stretch forth your hand and pray for the servant that God wants to use. That your particular situation, your peculiar situation that you find difficult even to share with your pastor, that you go into your closet and you only share it with God, that God will send you a word, meet for the season this afternoon. Stretch forth your hand and ask. Pray and ask in faith. Because the grace is in the house. The anointing of yesterday is not sufficient for today. So we ask him for a fresh breath of anointing. That we bring forth that word. That we make that particular situation open to the Holy Spirit. And then the word to cure it. The word in due season to take care of the situation, to bring about the solution, to remove the challenge, to uproot the problem with comfort. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. There is a time for everything. To everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. The title of the message will be A Time of Increase. A Time of Increase. But as preamble, I'm so fascinated by Ecclesiastes, written by the wisest man, the wisest king. See, if you want to learn, work with the wise, and you learn their ways. If you work with angry people, you probably have a short fuse and get angry so often. But Solomon was the man that God gave wisdom to manage all his people. He grew up as a prince, the son of a king. And then he became a king and became the wisest king in Israel. And how did he get that wise? He offered a thousand bond offering. Offered a thousand gold to the Lord. And then God visited him while he was sleeping. He was fast asleep, unconscious. And then God came and asked for Whatever he wanted. And he asked for wisdom. Can you imagine that? He wasn't conscious of what he asked. Because he was in a dream state. It doesn't matter how long you have been sleeping. It doesn't matter how far you have gone in search for solution. I know that today 
there is a word coming for you that will resolve that problem for you in Jesus' name. How did he know he's going to offer a thousand bond offering to the Lord? He grew up with a man, David. Right? We knew the testimony of David. I will not give to God that which does not cost me something. Right? Even at the threshing floor of Arauna. When David was bringing the ark of the covenant from the house of Obedidon to Jerusalem, they take six pieces and then they sacrifice the bull. Now let's do a quick calculation. Six pieces at most will be two and a half meters. The distance from house of Obedidon to Jerusalem is about five kilometers. If you divide it, that's about 2,000. A bull costs how much in India? 10,000 rupees. Right? So, we are sacrificing 2,000 bulls. That is 200 lakhs. Right? Two crore. Are you with me? So, he has seen his father do something like that. It wasn't strange for him to bring a thousand bull and sacrifice to the Lord. Wisdom is the principal thing in that getting, get wisdom and understanding. Because it's the wisdom of God that will help you to know what to do at the appropriate time. Right? If you go to Indian school and say, I have a wonderful project I want to give to these people. Who are you going to ask for? You won't tell the student. You ask, if you see the student, take me to your principal. Right? It's the principal thing. The most important thing. Or you take me to your president or your director, like some schools want to give such names to the supposedly head of the school. So, when Job was going through his challenges, and then he doesn't understand why, even though he said, though he slay me, I will yet trust him. His friend came and said, you are doing something wrong because God is righteous. But Job clung to his own integrity and was asking for justice from God. So Elihu have to talk to him after he has waited for all the elders to talk. In Job chapter 32, verse 8 to 9. He said that, there is a spirit in man that gives him understanding. It's not with age. It's by the spirit of God in man. Okay? Great men are not always wise. Look at somebody that is in the helm of power. The president of his country. And he's killing his own people because he's clinging to the power. The foreigners that are supporting you are selling arms to you. And that's why they have the interest. But they don't have the interest of your own people at heart. Right? So great men are not always wise. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end is unpleasant. Right? So we have seen how Solomon came up. And then by wisdom, by God's grace and wisdom, he was able to accomplish much. He wrote the books. And we also could see an example of Jabez in the Bible. Jabez was born in sorrow by his mom. And then, because the mom was in sorrow, she gave him that name, Jabez. And everywhere he goes, it was sorrowful for him. If there is a cut-off mark of 360, he will get 359. If there is a line-up for blessing, when it's about getting to him, that is when the blessing has finished and he has to go home. But he prayed to God. And God changed the situation. And he became more honorable than all his brothers. Praise the Lord. So we are going to come to the text of the message. This is preamble for us to know that. Be it from the people that was born in sorrow. Or from the person that was born in the palace. That is the spirit of God that is a man. 
that enable man to have an understanding of what goes on with him. Praise the Lord. Let's open our Bible to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. Our, Bible, our pastor shared with us last week about the five crowns. And there is a crown of glory that is going to be given to those that are wise. And who is wise? He that winneth souls is wise. Praise the Lord. You may not be a pastor. You may not be a care leader. But when you tell people your story, just share your story. It's enough to make them come and know your God. This God that has done this thing for you, I want to know him. So that's how to be wise. Praise the Lord. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 1 to 7, I will read it very quickly. The sons of the prophet said to Elisha, Look now, the place where we live before you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each man get there a beam. And let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go. One said, Be pleased to go with your servants. He answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling his beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. The man of God said, Where did it fall? When shown the place, Elisha cut off a stick and threw it in there, and the iron floated. He said, Pick it up. And he put out his hand and took it. God Grant us a full understanding of the meaning of your word in Jesus' name. What is the greatest loss a Christian can suffer? Is it not the layer loss of the presence of the Holy Spirit? Is it not the loss of the spiritual power which comes from an up-to-date relationship with Jesus Christ? If you lose every other thing, you can go and buy it. But if you leave, lose the power of the Spirit that's supposed to dwell in you, what are you going to do? So let's turn this miracle into a parable. Jesus spoke to his people in a lot of parables so that he can break down spiritual things in ways they can understand it. In this story, we will let Elisha, the leader, represent Jesus the Lord. We will let the sons of the prophets to mean all vocational Christian workers. All of us that are Christians, that are called in various capacities. There are various offices, whether you are that of an apostle, whether you are an evangelist, you are a prophet, whether you are a pastor or you are a teacher, all of them. Then we let the axe handle stand for your life. Okay? The axe head represents the Holy Spirit which is the cutting edge of the Christian life. We exist to carry and convey the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. And the trees will represent all the godless men. Men in their natural form who are not sensitive to the Spirit of God. We it came to mind quickly, the disaster that happened in Brazil some few weeks ago, where a group of young people crammed themselves into a night club, the kids club. They are having a good time. 400 of them in the small club. And then, one of the displays that they want to use to create effect, caught fire. And then people were running heta sketter. Right? And 235 people died. These are people that are supposed to have future because it was a university town. A lot of young people were there. 
They're supposed to be able to contribute to the society, contribute their part. They perished. If any of them have not heard the word, they are gone forever because of one night of revelry. So those people must be filled by the Holy Spirit and fashioned together to build the house of God to dwell in as a habitation. Praise the Lord. So let's keep these identifications on our mind as we explore the story in the short time that we have. This is a pattern of Christian service that we should emulate. Number one, lesson from the story, is a pattern of Christian service that we should emulate. Elisha, the medical prophet, was the principal of the seminary, so to say, which existed to teach and train the sons of the prophets. Right? Like many of us, we come in and then we got taught and we are trained and then we get to the point whereby we can also share something by God's grace with the people. And then the seminary has grown so rapidly and it has exceeded his dormitory space. So the students suggested that the seminary be moved to the Jordan River Valley, a larger place. And a larger dormitory and classroom space should be provided for it. So the pattern suggested for us by these servants and their service, I want you to take note. They worked in a close relationship with the master. They worked in close relationship with the master. Verse 1 said, The sons of the prophet said unto the Elisha, They did nothing in their service without consulting him. That is the pattern of service. Our master said, Abide in me. John 15.4 Let's open to it quickly. John chapter 15 verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So they went to their master. They worked closely with him. The second point is that they work under a deep burden over their need. Under a deep burden over their need. They said to Elisha in verse 1, Behold now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. If as a Christian you walk in close relationship with Jesus, he will usually give you a burden. Something that is heavy on your heart. Something that you desire to resolve. It could be, I mean, look at Mother Teresa, she got to India. She saw the people who were sleeping on the streets. It's not, it didn't go down well with her to go to sleep and eat in the convent, just like that, leaving these people. Whatever she can do, she started it and she did her part. And of course, we knew the results. Praise the Lord. So if you walk close with Jesus, you get a burden. And that burden is a vision that is larger than you. It's a vision of a larger ministry. If it's anything you can do by your power, by your strength, then it's probably don't need him to, to, to make it succeed. Right? Job chapter 6 verse 16. God will remove you out of the narrow place into the broad place. Where there is no narrowness. Job 36 verse 16. God will remove you out of the narrow place into the broad place where there is no narrowness. That's why he said he make roads in the wilderness. You can't walk in the wilderness easily. But when God makes roads in the wilderness, it's a broad place. You can put a jet on it. Praise the Lord. The third one, they received a specific commission from their master to go ahead with the project. They said to Elisha, let us go into the Jordan and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And Elisha answered, go ye. You can read that 
without remembering the commission of our master, Jesus Christ. The great commission. Go ye and disciple all nations. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. For he that winneth soul is wise. I'm so impressed by the Holy Spirit that brought our brother to share about the mission. Right? Things don't happen by accident. The Holy Spirit is one. So we've seen here a life missionary who have shared the word. Right? Go ye and disciple all nations. It's the charge that we receive from the Lord. And he that winneth soul is the wise one. They walk with a recognition of full dependence upon the master. When Elisha said, Go ye, one of the preachers said to him, I praise thee, go with thy servant. And he answered, I will go. The Christian worker must have the presence of Jesus, his heavenly president, all the time and all the way. Moses said to God, you asked me to bring these people, two million plus, out of Egypt, out of slavery, to a land you want to show them. But you have not told me who will go with me. Say, my presence will go with you. Say, if your presence doesn't go with us, we are not going to move an inch from here. There is nothing we can accomplish. Be it in our work, be it in our individual life, be it in our relationship, if the presence of the Lord did not go with us. Praise the Lord. They worked in a unified effort. Yet, each had a sense of individual responsibility. Because they said, each man will take on a beam and fall it down. Each person will face his own wood and cut it down. But it's a unified effort. We are all cutting down trees. But each one will face his own tree. Let us go and take every man a beam. That is in verse 2. And let us make us a place there where we may dwell. For some of us that came from the farm. Because I grew up on the farm. There's a time of clearing. When you go and just clear a large expanse of farm. And then... Some of the big trees in the farm, you can't leave them so because their shade will prevent the yam or the cassava or whatever we plant from getting the true sunlight that will enable it to grow. So they, after they've cleared all the easy twigs and trees, the big ones they will leave for a time when all the men will be able to come together to come and cut. And then when every one of them cut one and it falls down, they have to shout so that they will know he has not been injured by that tree. I keep wondering, why should they always shout? Whenever they fall one down, then they will shout so that they will hear from the other side that we are okay, everything is fine with us. Because the well-being of one is the well-being of the other. We work as individual, but we also work in unity. The well-being of the rat in the bush is the well-being of the bird in the air, because the bird has to feed on the rat. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So if the rats are poisonous and they don't have anything, then the bird cannot get its nourishment. So its own days are numbered. So that's the way we work together in unity. One great statement said, the greatest thought that has ever passed through my mind is the thought of my individual responsibility to God. So this sense and this consciousness of individual responsibility must be balanced by a wonderful sense of teamwork, family fellowship, unified effort with all other Christians in fulfilling our Master's great commission. They engaged in diligent service. In verse 4, we said, when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. They were not lazy. We are here not to loaf, but to labor. Right? 
There is no point coming here to warm the seat while others are toiling away. Paul said, I labor more abundantly than they all, and so should we. So this is a pattern for all the Christian servants that we should emulate. Rather than just staying idle, but we should be willing to work. The second part is a peril in Christian service that we should avoid. A peril that we should avoid. Midway in the story, we had a sad interruption. And it points to a peril that can happen to every Christian worker. In verse 5, as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And you remember in our analogy, the axe head represents the Holy Spirit, the cutting edge of power in the service of a Christian. You know, whenever any company comes up with a new innovation, that innovation becomes their cutting edge that would differentiate them from all the other companies. The axe head was lost. There was a story of this South American family. They were struggling, struggling as a family to make ends meet. And then one of the boys, I think they are a family of about six, one of the boys, Labamba, came up and he has a good voice. And somewhere in the neighborhood, he, they recognize it. So once in a while, he goes around to sing. And then they are beginning to invite him in the district. And then one day, one, of, one important fellow came to sing in their area and they saw him. And then they took him and they were going to help him and groom him. So that his music career can blossom. And then he went on the trip. He was coming up and they were going to do everything to make sure he succeeds. And then he was coming back. And there was an accident. And he was the only one that died in the accident. Why is it that if the devil wants to strike, it is the strongest in the family that is going to strike? The breadwinner. The one that carries everybody. If anything was going to be lost, it was what created the cutting edge. It was what gave them an edge over the rest. It was what differentiated them. That's the one that's going to be lost. Why should it be so? What a peril for a servant of Christ. And the deadly danger that it always presents. When the most important is lost. What can we do to replace it? It comes suddenly. Many of these calamities in life come suddenly without warning. Though there was this joke about some thieves in um, some part of Lagos, Nigeria, that we send notice to the people that we are coming to rob you today, so get ready for us. The Bible said the thief come in the night, but they will send notice ahead of time. Prepare for us, we are coming. And no matter what fortification they want to make, they will still want to come. And there was even another interesting joke then that they went. And then they have checked every house and then they've taken all the could. And they got to this fellow who has been in Lagos for a long time. And they didn't see anything to steal from him. They said, how long have you been here? 18 years. And you don't have anything. They took out money from their pocket. and gave him. Take this money and go to your village. If we meet you again, when we come here, we are going to kill you. The thief come in the night to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is what happened. That is the peril that we should avoid. The servant did not lose the axe handle. This is foolish and inconceivable to us. But it is exactly what many Christians do when they experience the love of the Holy Spirit's power. How can you continue to use the axe handle to cut down trees? That's impossible. Right? It will only end up bruising the tree. It will make any cut. 
The analogy is if we have lost the edge of the Holy Spirit and our service is in the flesh. We are toiling in the flesh, but we are not accomplishing anything for the Lord. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. A man was famous according as he has lifted up axes upon the thick trees. That is Psalm 74, verse 5. How strong, thick, and deep-rooted in sin the trees are today. So each Christian servant is to lift up the axe upon the thick trees. If you look, if you lose the axe head, if you lose the cutting edge, what are we going to do? So let's quickly look also at some of the things. He lost it while he was working. Let's look at the story. As one was felling a beam, the asset fell into the water. It didn't fly up without getting loose first. Perhaps he didn't have time to pay attention when it was getting loose. And then, what he lost was borrowed. In verse 5, alas, it was borrowed. The power by which we serve Christ is never really ours. Any more than the axe head and axe handle are ours. Psalm 62 verse 11 says, Power belongeth unto God. And Jesus said, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The power is never inherently ours. It is borrowed. So how dependent are we upon the true owner of that power? If you borrow your friend's car because your car was in service and then it had a dent due to no mistake of yours, should you take it to go and fix first before you return to your friend? Or should you return it and apologize to him? It's a difficult decision. So when you borrow something, it's a little bit necessary for you to be more careful than the way you use your own things. Because if something happened to that thing, settling it could have one issue or the other. Why will he go and receive, repair the car when it's not his fault? Does it mean that uh, me, I'm not a good friend of his, that I can't let go of this minor scratch in the car? Or when he brings it back, look at this fellow now, I gave him my clean car because he has his own in service. He brought it back with a dent. What am I going to do with the dent? Maybe I won't, I won't fix it. I will leave it then so that we can use it to be remembering every time he sees it. It's difficult. Praise the Lord. He was conscious of his loss and deeply distressed about it. In verse 5, And he cried out, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. Many of us today could be like Samson. He suffered the loss of the spirit power. But he knew not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. We also saw that example of the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3.17. The church thought it was rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. But it didn't know that it actually was wretched, was miserable, was poor, was blind and was naked. Many times we get deceived by activity in the church. But if there are activities that are not with the power of the Spirit, there could be activity in, this flesh, in the flesh that will not earn us any credit at the end of the day. The worst thing that can happen to a man is to do excellently well that job that need not be done at all. Or to climb so fervently up the ladder and get to the top of the ladder, only to discover it was leaning against the wrong wall. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. The loss of the spirit power should never be treated as a casual matter. It is an absolute crisis. Have you lost the cutting edge? Are you an ex-champion? Have your zeal for the Lord diminished? Are you giving up because you have prayed a lot about this issue and it has not found solution? 
any sense of loss of this power on our part should prepare us for the third part of the story. Part 3. A procedure in Christian service which we should adopt. We saw how the concluding account of our outline went. If you have lost the cutting edge, if your spiritual life has been sinking below the surface of the waters of sin, selfishness, idleness, indifference, worldliness, bad disposition, take heart. You may be renewed, reinstated, restored, re-equipped in service. And how is that going to be? The prescription is spelled out. Abaddon or labor. The man stopped working instantly when he realized the destitution of his loss. It would be foolish for him to go on working when the work can no longer produce results. There are many pastors, Sunday school teachers, evangelists that are toiling away even when the axe head has been lost. That will not produce much. For our master's sake, we need to stop all work until the loss is corrected. We need to do a reassessment of our life as a going concern. When the accountants assess the books of a company, they assess the company as a going concern, something that will continue to progress, to continue to sustain their production or whatever they are doing from year on year. We need to go on an away day. It could be one day in the year you can find. You are away from family, you are away from friends, you are away from church service, you are away from everything. You are alone with God. You want to do a recount of your life, a reassessment. Where have you missed it? Where are you leading me? This challenge you have brought my way, what do you want me to do with it? How am I going to get over this? What is your prescription, Lord? Because people who have not had the same experience may not be able to share much with you. And your experience could be very peculiar. There are 12, 12 uh, disciples. And then it was Peter that got that revelation that Jesus was the son of the living God. And Jesus commanded, Oh, Simon Bajona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He was in the spirit. And then he was the one that the devil came and asked permission to go and trouble. He's the one that the devil wants to trouble. He's the one that knows about it. And the troubling of Peter was not anything to do with Peter, so to say. Because Jesus prayed for him. And said that when you have gone through this challenge, use your experience to strengthen your brethren. Sometimes the things we go through are not for us. They are in spite of us. God already knew that Job would not deny him no matter what. Anyway, but how many of us have been blessed by reading the account of Job today? It's for our benefit. That is why when you share your testimony... When you share your story and people come, let me go and know your God. That test that you went through was not for you, was for God's glory so that others can come to know Him. Praise the Lord. Approach the Lord. Alas, Master, the servant Christ. So we must approach the Lord. We must find a way to approach the Lord. And God knows you. He knows your heart. The things you can't say to your spouse, to your pastor, He knows it. Lay it before Him. Let Him tell you why He's taking you through it. Praise the Lord. Because everything works out for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Remember where we started. Everything, there is a season. And there is a time for every purpose under heaven. Praise the Lord. Then ad admit the loss. The young preacher must have felt awfully foolish as he confessed the problem. After all, he should have felt the loosening of the axe head. He should have known that a serious problem was developing. 
But he did not let his embarrassment prevent him from a frank and full confession of loss. And we too must shamefully confess our loss before the Lord. Praise the Lord. Acknowledge the location. Sometimes where to find something is where you lost it. So you have to go back and find Say, show me the place. And he showed him the place. How simple. So that was where he got it out. Praise the Lord. Appropriate the lifted power. Appropriate the lifted power. He cut a tree. Remember Jesus was hung on a tree. And threw it in that place. And then the miracle happens. Right? The axe head floated. So, Jesus is the one that has settled it for us. He went down, descended to her, and that power lifted him up. And that is still available for us today. The young man was not told to analyze the miracle. Right? He said, reach out and take it. Elisha said, take it up to thee and put out your hand and take it. You don't need to understand whether the electricity is from waves or photons before you enjoy it. Right? You don't need to understand the complex physics behind how it was discovered or how many times Faraday tried to discover electricity before you go into your house in the darkness, switch on, and then you get light. Appropriate it. There are many things in our life that are beyond us. And God in His infinite grace and mercy will not share everything about your life with you. Either you will give up and run away or you don't want to serve him again. He doesn't want to lose you. If he had told Joseph when he had the dream that they are going to sell you, sure they almost want to kill you, and they are going to put you in prison, he probably said, God, I don't want that dream. I don't want that dream anymore. Let me be. I'm happy with my father. He made me this coat of many colors. I'm just okay. So God in his infinite grace and wisdom may not tell you everything. But if you ask him, he can grant you understanding of what you are going through so that he can use his grace and glory to bring us his purpose in it, in Jesus' name. Lastly, let's just look at some principles that we need to acknowledge. Number one is the responsibility of a learned life. How careful we ought to be with borrowed property. When something is loaned to us, we have a special responsibility to the real owner. So you should not be careless about this responsibility. Your life is a loan to you by God to serve God's purpose on His terms. You are His by production, by purchase, by providence, and by purpose. He made you. He bought you with His blood. He continued to sustain you and then, there is a purpose for all of those things in your life. Praise the Lord. Then the tragedy of a lost life. The axe used to be so keen and sharp. So bright, so useful. But sadly, it reduced to uselessness without the head. We are Christians. Salt does not need to be the same quantity of the soup before it can bring out the taste of it. Little. But we're supposed to impact a lot. If a Christian loses his saltiness, what use would that be? We will no longer be the salt of the earth. So none of us will lose our saltiness in Jesus' name. That cutting edge that differentiates us from all others will not lose it in Jesus' name. Then the glory of a lifted life. The sunken iron was rescued by means of the cross, and the power and the grace from Christ. You know? Restoration to former use is by God's grace. God reaches at Christ's expense. If it was human being, we say, I've tried for you, I've done my part for you, I've given you all of this, and now you messed this up. I have other things to go and do. And then they say, How many times shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Is it 70 times? Seven times in a day? No, 70 times seven. So your brother has offended you 490 times in a day and you are expected to let go. How much more God? Praise the Lord. Let's bow down our heads. 
What if you don't have an axe head? What if you are not even accepted Christ into your life? You never trusted Him and received Him as your Lord and Savior. Your heart may be as heavy as iron at the bottom of the fast-running river of sin. But Jesus loves you anyway. He died for you 2,000 years ago. He rose again for you. And He wants you to fully trust Him. He will raise you from the dead and raise you up natural earthly affections beyond all earthly affections to the heavenly things above. So He wants you to trust Him and receive Him to your heart today. So that you can tell your own personal story of the iron deep swim. If you have not accepted Christ into your life. Or if you think you have lost the cutting edge of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you want us to pray a simple prayer of agreement, just one minute. So that God, by His special grace, can restore you. Or God, by special grace, can draw you into the family of Christ. Please raise up your hand. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. Raise up your hand, please. If you want to give your life to Christ, or you want a restoration of the Spirit, because you know you have lost the cutting edge, you are an ex-champion, you used to do it well before, you used to flow well in the Spirit, but now it's a challenge to you. Please raise it up properly. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. And let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. For there is time for everything. A time to be born and a time to die. But these ones have signified that they want to live with you forever. And in your infinite grace and mercy, Father, we pray that you accept them, O oh my Father. Restore those who are backsliding. Grant again the cutting edge for those who have lost the spirit power. For without you, we can do nothing, O oh Lord. Help us, O oh Lord. Touch them, O oh my Father. Make a way, O oh Holy Spirit. Even as these ones rededicate their life to you, or they give their life to you afresh, to your glory we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our God is truly a compassionate God. Our God is truly a long-suffering God. And if you will just turn with me for a minute to Matthew chapter 9. And I'm reading from verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out his laborers into his harvest. Today the Lord is asking each one of us, and I want us to be now in an attitude of prayer. I want us to bow our heads and look to the Lord. From the beginning of this year, the Lord has been impressing upon us one thing. And that is service in the house of the Lord. A few days back, we had our workers meet. Many of you were there, but there are still many who weren't there. There are still many who aren't in the service of the Lord. And that's why I continue to say that our God is a very patient God. Time and again He's telling us, that there is a place. Today he's asked you and me, what is your burden today? He's asked us, is the Holy Spirit still with you or are you running on your own power? The Lord is asking us today, is your ladder leaning on the right wall or on the wrong wall?
Father God, we just want to thank and praise you, Lord Father. Time and again you have reminded us, Lord Father. Time and again you have called us into your service, Lord Father. And Father God, even as you have called us, you have given us the pattern, Lord Father. You have told us what we need to do, Lord Father. We do not go unprepared, Lord. We do not have to go and do anything on our own. Because you are there with us. You have said that you will come and you will be there. And you've given us a pattern, Lord Father. We thank you for that, Lord. Right now, we thank you, Lord Father, that you have reminded us that when we serve in your vineyard, we need to work in close relationship with you. We need to work with a deep burden for those who have needs. We need to work with a godly vision. We need to work under the specific directions of the Master. And we need to work diligently. And if we have got into a state of peril, the Lord is still telling us, there is a way that I will show you out of it. Father God, we thank you, Lord Father, for the way that you have used your servant this morning, Lord. For the word that you had brought through your servant, Lord Father. To remind us once again, Lord Father, that our coming here week after week is not a ritual, but is a place where you do minister unto us, Lord. It is a place where you speak to us. It is a place where you, you remind us of what we need to be doing, Lord Father. And Father God, we are grateful. Father, I, I pray, Lord, right now, that you will pour greater anointing on your servant whom you used today, Lord. That you will bless him with greater insights. That when he is asked to speak to us again, Lord, the word that he brings will be truly a word from you, Lord Father. I pray, Lord, that you continue to bless him and bless his family, Lord Father. And you will continue to use him, Lord Father, and bring deeper truth that you have for us, Lord Father. Father God, I commit each and every one of us into your hands, Lord. Those of us who are already in your service, Lord Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have asked us to look again whether we are following the pattern or whether we are in the peril. Have we lost our cutting edge? I thank you, Lord, that you have asked us that question today, Lord. For those of us who are yet to decide where, where to enter into your service, Lord, Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you have spoken. And you have said that there is a way, there is a pattern, and you are the master. I pray, Lord, that every one of us will be able to work in a way that is right in your sight, Lord Father. That we will be able to serve in your kingdom in a way that you want us to serve, Lord Father. Not of our own power or of our own might, but drawing all our strength, drawing all our resources, drawing all that we need from you, Lord Father. I thank you, Lord Father, for being with us. Thank you, Father, for this time that you've given us, Lord Father. And Father God, even as we look ahead to the week, we pray, Lord, that you will continue to speak to us. Guide us, guard us, and lead us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. Surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.